Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, some of you may know that this is the first day of Domestic Abuse Awareness Month, and because of that, uh, we have Shannon Berry with us from Days, and she will be speaking uh, after Chief Koval, and Chief Koval will bring you uh, the latest as we know it in terms of the two fatalities from this weekend. And uh, Chief? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, as uh, Joel mentioned, I'm fresh from an event, a Purple Ribbon Walk, that Shannon and others uh, called to bring awareness, this being October 1st, the first of the month on domestic violence awareness. And uh, unfortunately, we actually have a segue or a tie-in to that theme. I wish that weren't the case. Sherry... Cherie Waller represents uh, Madison's fourth homicide of the year. And I will go into the fact scenario that uh, led to our conclusion that she is a homicide victim. And I should also state at the outset that uh, some of our findings are still preliminary. We still have some interviews to do. We still have some forensic information to glean. But uh, as you can see, we sort of follow the facts as those facts dictate, and so we have every reason to believe this was a domestic-related incident. Uh, just as by way of a particulars, on Saturday the 29th, uh, we were called to the 3100 block of Webb Avenue at about 12.23 p.m., and we were met by a concerned family member who initiated the calls for service. Uh, once we got there, uh, there was some concerns expressed that she had been incommunicado, and in fact, uh, the doors were locked. Front doors locked, back doors locked, and based on the totality of the information that had been reported to us from the family members, our officers made the determination that this was an agency that meant that they had to force the entry, and upon doing so, they found, in fact, two individuals who were deceased from, as the coroner will use in his report, from firearm-related trauma as a basis of the autopsy, the preliminary autopsy. Um, Sherry Wallace, 34 years of age, um, is also what should be known as um, a victim of the fact that not only will she not have the rest of her life to celebrate, but there are a number of children from Sherry that will no longer have someone to call their mom. She's had, uh, she has uh, had five children, four of them at home. Uh, one is out of state with other family members, and that age range uh, goes from age three uh, to a 14-year-old. Now, she was found deceased in her bed, with a gunshot wound to her head. And the alleged, what we believe at this point, suspect at this point was found face down just inside the entryway to that bedroom um, with a loaded 40 milli uh, millimeter handgun uh, directly at his side where he lay deceased. It's unknown specifically. We're still working with the forensic uh, examiners to determine the exact time of death. That's one of the things that can't be rushed. 
but all of the factors would seem to indicate at least preliminarily that uh, she was shot and then subsequently he took his own life. I would say that as much as we get a lot of attention in our city for shots fired calls, um, invariably there seems to be an insatiable appetite for when those are shots fired as betwixt gang members or angry young people who are trying to settle a score or something. I hope that we never lose sight or context of the fact that, frankly, for as long as I've been in policing for 35 years, I would venture a guess that at least uh, 25%, if not more, of every year's annual carnage of reporting homicides are going to find at their root, at their origination point, some connecting crossroads to domestic violence. And I'm, I'm certainly going to let the subject matter experts speak to that at greater length. And so um, this is yet another evidence in my mind of that very, th of that very sad and tragic fact. Our suspect uh, does have a criminal history with previous domestic crimes and others, uh, although they had only been in a relationship since uh, at least last Christmas or thereabouts that we can definitively establish. We're still working the back intelligence sources to get more on that. And none of the children uh, in this instance were children that they had as a couple in common. What we are finding from family members is that there were some suspicions, there were some concerns, there was unreported threats against Cherry uh, that should also serve as perhaps a clearing call to all of us that our goal in terms of making domestic violence a comprehensive community-coordinated affair is that we can't continue to minimize and dismiss and rationalize uh, that this is something where I should stay in my own lane and not get involved and not get the authorities or at least a call for help to someone who's a social service provider or has that expertise. Um, we see this all too often, and I guess that's why I, I'm reiterating some of these themes over and over again. I think what you'll find is, as we have come to realize over the a lot of history on this, is that uh, there was probably a lot of internal dynamics that were taking place here that wasn't necessarily manifested for outside people to see. Uh, but we're getting that kind of intelligence from the family dynamics. One thing, too, the suspect in this matter, identified by the uh, by the examiner's office is James Tony Sykes, 39 years old. Um, while he may have been responsible for this instance, um, I don't want to be dismissive of the fact that he probably had a family as well that is grieving, and we believe that all life is sacred. Uh, but it was obviously uh, tragic that through no fault of her own, she had no say in that matter. Uh, he did. And so from that standpoint, I, I extend condolences to both the families who are trying to have to pick up the pieces, but particularly Sherry's family who now have to problem solve what to do, what next, and who will assume the role that she had formerly occupied as a mother to five children, which is probably the saddest thing we could have on a day like today with the weather such as it is and as a harbinger to what domestic violence means 
not only to our community where I think we have a very um, affirmative collaboration, but across the country this is still one of those pernicious things that um, continues. And it's one of those things where each and every one of us has an affirmative obligation to actually move out of our comfort zone to say something or to at least extend a hand or a listening ear to someone who we might think might be in need of assistance beyond the pale of what they're equipped to deal with. Shannon, would you please segue here for me? Thank you. Um, thank you all so much for being here, and a special thank you to Chief Koval for the invitation to participate with us today and to stand with him today. I also want to extend an appreciation to the entire Madison Police Department for their work to address domestic violence in our city. Um, as the Chief alluded, I think anytime there's a case like this, it's always really difficult to know what to say. And on behalf of the entire staff and volunteer team at DAYS, I do wish to extend our deepest sympathies to the family members and friends who have been touched by this tragedy. And there are not words adequate to convey to them how sorry we all are that this has happened. And we want them to know that we are holding them in our hearts and in our minds during this very sad time. Um, so as Chief Koval mentioned, today marks the beginning of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We hold this month every October. Um, and I think that this weekend's tragedy once again reminds us how critical it is that we continue to come together collectively to raise awareness of the plague that is domestic violence in our communities and to share information about resources available to victims and their children. Um, though we've made tremendous progress over the last 40 to 45 years since this work began in shining a light on this important issue, we clearly have a lot of work left to do. And there are a lot of victims who continue to live um, in the shadow of fear um, and, and who are not reaching out for services. Um, as I shared an earlier in my earlier statements at the Purple Ribbon event, um, we know that less than a one quarter of domestic violence cases are ever reported to law enforcement. Um, and in cases when we do have um, domestic violence victims reaching out to law enforcement, we're very fortunate that DAYS has a very strong partnership with MPD um, in the Law Enforcement Advocate Partnership where we get referrals from each one of those cases and we can make a proactive contact. Um, I will tell you that all of the referrals that we had last year from LEAP, we made contact with the majority of those victims and 100% of the victims with whom we made contact through LEAP um, reported that they had an increased sense of safety through that contact. And that, um, I think, is really important because we also know, according to national research, that when victims are connected to programs like those offered by DAYS, that they have better outcomes um, and they tend to avoid homicide. So when we're talking about homicide prevention services, we really are talking about those types of services that are offered um, by programs like DAYS. Um, we have seen a dramatic increase in the number of people who are reaching out to us for services every year. Um, last year, we fielded over 18,000 calls on our 24-hour helpline. That was a 117% increase in the number of calls that we had received just three years earlier, and we are on track to far surpass those numbers yet again this year. Um, and so we want to continue to spread the word. And, and that's, you know, I think that's really important. Um, that doesn't tell me that more domestic violence is happening. It's telling me that more people are aware of the services um, that are available to them. And we want to continue to spread that awareness um, because we know that when people do connect, that there tend to be better outcomes. 
Um, and so as we launch into Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, to echo Chief Koval's points, we really want to share with the community the many ways that they can get involved in this issue, um, sharing the information uh, with people in their lives that they may be concerned about, the 24-hour helpline, which I hope you'll all include in your reports um, today, which is 608 251-4445, as well as information at, on our websites. Um, we don't just take calls from victims and survivors. We also do take calls from concerned friends and family members who may not know how to reach out to a victim or how to support them. Um, and we hope that when people do, that we can have very different outcomes than what we saw this last weekend. So thank you for your efforts in helping us um, share that information. And so on behalf of both days and in collaboration with the Madison Police Department, thank you for your, your piece of this. And before you walk yes. away, just because we talk Chef, about the soup all the time. We do. Days, means. Domestic Abuse Intervention Services. Thank, thank you. you. Can you talk a little bit about lethality assessment? Sure. Um, so there is, um, you know, anytime somebody contacts DAYS, and uh, we do take them, and they're seeking shelter services in particular, we do take them through a lethality assessment tool to, and anybody who gets into our 24-hour, excuse me, our emergency domestic violence shelter um, has been deemed to be in a potentially lethal situation. Um, and I, again, I want to extend my appreciation for the LEAP program. Um, the LEAP program, anytime law enforcement is responding to a domestic, they're referring all of those folk to, folks to us, not just those who have been through a lethality assessment, um, but we do take them through that lethality assessment once they connect with us. So, thank you. Thank you. And one other thing, Chief, and this is a matter of protocol and it's important to me, the flags are not right, and I apologize for that. They were there the way they are when I came in the room, and I'm realizing that flag should be over here. So, oh, thank you. Are there any um, questions? Any questions on the event? Do we know if there were any children there when this happened? Well, we believe that there may have been two of the children. And uh, one of our protocols in terms of best practice is that we're very blessed in our community to have a safe harbor where we have forensically trained child interviewers. And that is a part of the ongoing investigation to see to what extent they were exposed. And it's obviously yet another opportunity where we come to find that so many of our children are constantly being induced into trauma events uh, through no want of their own and what those telltale signs mean for them as they continue to mature and as an impediment to their growth and social development. Chief Sykes uh, has a felony conviction. <coughs> do, do we know how he acquired this gun? That's, again, uh, one of the follow-up considerations that uh, our VCU will have to be looking at because that's correct. He would have been ineligible to pursue, to have, lawfully have, and so we have to figure out how that did come to his hands, whether it was through a third-party purchaser or in some other means. That will have to be part of the loop, and, and we have someone that works with our uh, VCU unit from ATF, and that'll be passed out for them as well. Others? I just add one more thing, Chief. So I spoke with Julie Foley this morning with the Dane County Victims Witness Program. So the children are being cared for uh, by family members at this point. As the Chief indicated, there were two children who were in the home at the time that this took place. And from speaking with Julie Foley, she's indicated that there had been a celebration earlier of one of the children's birthday. So this was a very joyous occasion uh, prior and leading up to the incident that took place later.
Chief, I know you spoke about uh, unreported threats. Mm -hmm. So there is no record of uh, Sherry Waller ever uh, reaching out to uh, a help organization or to the Madison Police Department or other law enforcement regarding any concerns with Sykes. No, I think there were communiques between her and her close family members, people whom she trusted, people who she confided in. But in terms of as we put in that particular address on Webb Avenue, we don't show formal calls for service being generated out of a domestic context for that address or previous with them specifically. And in the back of the room is East District Captain Tom Snyder and Assistant Chief Gaber as well. But I just checked with uh, Captain Snyder, and he affirms that uh, we had gotten no calls prior uh, to what took place this weekend to that residence. Do we know how long, um, you know, these supposed kind of domestic abuse concerns with uh, Miss Waller and um, uh, whatever the uh, Sykes, Sykes uh, go back? I, again, we're getting informal information that to some of the members of her clan, uh, her folks, is that uh, uh, they had, as Shannon will note, there's sort of these honeymoon phases in the ebb and flow of a lot of domestic relationships. Uh, Joel mentioned that they had been together just earlier that evening to celebrate a three-year-old birthday party. So it is not necessarily at all um, untoward or out of character, that uh, those are very volatile relationships. A lot of them are predicated on self-esteem, power, control, manipulation, a lot of it behind closed doors. So a lot of people to the outside, uh, untrained eye, may think that there's seemingly nothing wrong when, in fact, there's something deeply cancerous within that relationship because of the intrinsic violence issues. Uh, one family member said that uh, they thought that a gun had actually been pointed at her in a previous event, although that hasn't been substantiated to date. Can you talk a little bit about the wheel of violence and why some folks do not report? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think oftentimes people um, tend to think about, you know, people hear about the domestic, the cycle of violence. They hear about the honeymoon phase. Every um, domestic violence relationship starts like any other. It starts with that honeymoon phase. Um, it doesn't start with tension. It doesn't start with violence. It starts with honeymoon. Um, and then the tension and the violence will come later after the abuser has gained the trust of the victim. Um, and usually there has been some sort of um, you know, significant change in the relationship where the, where the abuser feels like they have more control. Um, I think that the other piece that I, I also want to highlight is that though there may not have been any reports of previous violence in the relation, formal reports of previous violence in the relationship between these two, um, it does sound as though this individual, Mr. Sykes, may have had uh, previous um, challenges with other relationships, and that's also very typical, um, you know, where somebody may move on from one relationship to another and continue violence in, in a new relationship as well. Um, and people will often, batterers will often use a tactic of power and control as long as it works. And when it stops working, then they will escalate their power and control up to and including homicide. And so if, for example, um, somebody has been you know, using verbal and emotional manipulation and that's no longer working, they may escalate to physical violence, they may escalate to holding a gun to someone's head. If that, doesn't, if that stops working and the victim is asserting themselves more, then they may escalate something further. But I don't think that we'll ever really know all of the nuances of this particular relationship other than maybe what family or friends who may have 
um, have heard things from her uh, may be able to share. So. And to Shannon's point, if you look at his CCAP, you will in fact see some domestic-related violence convictions, albeit not with this particular victim with a previous one. Shannon, you may have said this earlier. I did not catch it. The acronym LEAP, what does that stand for? Law Enforcement Advocate Partnership. So it is a program that is between DAYS, Domestic Abuse Intervention Services, and the Madison Police Department. Um, and so we have been very fortunate to have that um, partnership for the last several years, and it is now citywide. Um, and in those cases, anytime law enforcement is responding to a domestic-related incident, we are getting a referral, and within 24 hours, our advocates are making contact with that victim. You know, on that lethality scale, mm-hmm. if someone has a gun pointed at them, where, where does that put them on the lethality scale, and what would be the corresponding recommendation from days? That's a great question, and I am not the expert on that. Um, I don't do direct service. I know that um, weapons, strangulation, stalking behaviors, those are all things that are um, predictors of potential lethality, um, you know, and threats to use a weapon, weapons in the home, um, and certainly firearms we know um, have been used in the vast majority of domestic violence homicides across the state over the last several years. It's an evidence-based um, assessment scale typically has 11, I believe, questions on it that can give you an indices into sort of where we're at. But again, it's, it's a measurement indicative of, of, of where that might be tra- the trajectory, but not necessarily a self-fulfilling prophecy either. Has somebody seen this and they have themselves or a friend that have similar situations? Um, what first should they do? Um, and then what should they do after that? Sure. So, I mean, I think I would recommend that anyone call our 24-hour helpline, whether they're concerned about a friend or family member or concerned about themselves. Um, you know, that's, um, that again, that number is 608-251-4445. That is the gateway to all of our services, our face-to-face services. We have advocates who can meet with victims face-to-face, um, go through safety planning. We have legal advocates who can assist with restraining orders. Um, we have an emergency shelter, um, we have children's programming, all of those things. But that is the gateway piece. So, And as a domestic violence expert, you know, how common are cases like we've seen in, in the national media with Dr. Ford and, and Judge Kavanaugh where people come and, and seek help, you know, sometimes decades after something like this happens? Well, in that particular case, that's a sexual assault, which is, you know, slightly nuanced in terms of domestic violence. I mean, I think the, the root issues um, of power and control are the same. Um, you know, I think um, sexual... Let me just step back and say that um, victims of domestic violence and victims of sexual assault often fear not being believed. Um, I think in cases of sexual assault, there's additional barriers for victims not being believed. Um, but I will say that um, there are a lot of victims of domestic violence who are afraid that they're not going to be believed for a myriad of reasons. Um, maybe their abuser is a community leader. Um, maybe that's a same-sex relationship and they um, you know, are afraid that people will see it as mutual abuse. Um, there's a lot of different, I think, barriers that keep victims from reporting um, in domestics, just as there are many barriers in sexual assault cases. They might, they're slightly different, but similar in the power and control aspects. And, and do you fear that, you know, since it is kind of obviously not exactly the same, but, but do you worry that things like this, you know, giant, you know, media frenzy over and, and you know, 
lots of of people not necessarily believing Ford and that being the center of the media's attention. Do you think that that, that has, are you worried that will have an effect on you guys and people reporting to you? I will say that um, our organization's helpline has seen a spike in the number of calls, and I will say that the Rape Crisis Center's helpline has also seen a spike in the number of calls of victims who are feeling re-traumatized by what they're seeing um, on, the national on the national scale. Um, so I think that um, there is certainly that fear when we don't have, as to Chief Koval's earlier remarks about um, a strong community response to these issues, if we don't have a strong um, collective response that we believe in, that we believe victims and that we believe survivors, I do think that there is the risk that we will drive these issues further underground. Absolutely. I thought uh, briefly when you mentioned the spectacle of recent major media events, uh, the lens that I defaulted to in that particular instance is, is, is the ICE uh, presence. I'm very concerned for our community, for those who may be living in the shadows um, and hanging with apprehension and trepidation over what happens next that if there is telltale signs of domestic violence, it may have a chilling effect on those who witness or those who are victims of domestic violence. And that's another part of that national media narrative that I thought you might have been alluding to, and I just don't want Veronica to not make me cover that. No, and that's a, that's a very, I was really, um, Veronica um, from UNIDA spoke with us earlier today, and that was a very solid point. We've also seen that with the recent um, ICE um, enforcements in Madison. Um, we have a number of bilingual staff who speak Spanish, and we've had a number of victims who have been fearful of going to court, um, trying to seek restraining orders and things of that nature, or calling law enforcement when they are concerned for their safety because of ICE. So I was glad she brought that up, too. Thank you, Steve. Any other questions? Yeah, uh, Chief, if you could come to the podium on, on a separate matter. In sure. Dane County Court today, mm -hmm. Madison Police Officer Kelly Heft represented that she is no longer Officer Heft. What is her status? Uh, she would have resigned uh, at the early part of the summer um, as the events were continuing to progress through our disciplinary process and in light of her imminent court issues, uh, she made that decision to separate from service. May 19th, Chief. May 19th, thank you, Joel.